Hello, everyone. This is Jaden and Megan from the future. Yeah. By the time you're hearing this, this is about like a week later. Um, what is today? Today is thirteenth. Yes, February thirteenth. Um, so we are about to drop our second episode. What tomorrow? Yeah. No, and, no, Monday. The two days. Oh, I keep forgetting today's Saturday. <laughs> oh wait, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Yeah. Guess what? I'm not celebrating. <laughs> Anyway, we wanted to make this really quick and short, um, so it's been almost a week now yeah. since we dropped our first episode, and we just want to say thank you so much yes. for all of the love and support. We are blown away. Seriously, because obviously, not obviously, but like in this, the episode you'll hear that'll drop on Monday, we still reference our two listeners that we have, and we have <laughs> so much more than that, and so we just wanted to thank you so fucking much. And, and I'm low-key panicking because I didn't think people were actually going <laughs> to listen to this. Yeah, so um, just disregard all the embarrassing things that like we talk about about ourselves because pretend you don't hear them. That could be a disclaimer <laughs> for every single episode that we put. <laughs> literally, literally, literally. Yeah, but we really just wanted to make this little short little thank you to thank all of you guys for all the support. Um, we now have an Instagram um, at um, a little thing called Murder, and a Twitter. It's A T L. Yeah, they're all C Murder. They're all the same thing. They could be just like the first letters of the beginning, like A L. And then Murder. Murder. Yeah. A little thing called Murder. Because then yeah. it was too long to make like its yeah. own thing. But we also have a Gmail. So if yes. you have any questions, if you have any cases we want to cover, if you have yes. any stories, um, email at email us at um, a little thing called murder at gmail.com. Yes. So thank you so much, and you guys enjoy the next episode. And keep rating us, giving us thumbs up, and sharing us with everyone you know, because we just love you so much. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) A little thing called murder. And welcome to A Little, a little thing, thing Called Murder. <laughs> and this is the first episode where you and us both know the title yes. at the beginning. Yes. So technically this should be like our first legit episode. Yeah. The the last one was just like a trial and error kind yeah. of thing. So how was your week? So it was good. Um, so it was my second week at the DA's office. So exciting. And I know I already showed you, but I got a freaking badge. Dude, she's official now. Yeah. So, you know, like a police officer. Just kidding, I'm not a police officer. But, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to flash that if I get pulled over. Yeah, you'll be like, I'm important. <laughs> Me, I just start crying. Uncontrollably. I'm not I the would kind. totally do that too, though. Dude, okay, so I got pulled over one time because mm-hmm. I blew through a stop sign, but there was, like, a bush in front of it. I couldn't see it, and then the person coming towards me had their high beams mm. on. Literally couldn't see anything, and there just so happened to be a cop sitting right there, so they pulled me over. And I tried so hard not to be that girl I that just it, starts, like, <laughs> like hyperventilating, and he was like are you from around here? I was like, I'm on the other side of town. I'm just trying to get home. And this was right after my car broke down. So I was like, I just want to go home. And he was like, drive safe and left me off with a warning. And I was like, thank He's like, I don't have time to fucking deal with this bitch right now. Just leave. Yeah, for real, for real. Oh my gosh. But how was your week? Good, good. Very busy. The end Mm. of the month with accounting, but Mm. um, good that it's over. Just... 
Oh, also, she's a real accountant, not a TikTok accountant. Okay, no, 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 no. Oh, she's both. No! Okay, so I do accounting work. I don't consider myself a legit accountant. I literally take care of getting payments from people. So I'm just like, yo, where's my money? I'm not like, this ledger versus this ledger. Like, I no, that's above my head. I'm pretty sure I, like, asked you that when you first told me. Oh, my accountant, I was like... Uh, what kind of accountant are you? I knew which I one said it I was. did accounting work. <laughs> I would oh, never be like so I'm an good. accountant, yeah. CPA certified. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So it was a quick week. I'm not gonna lie. I literally didn't know what case I was gonna cover until oh. Friday. So I literally like saw an episode from a documentary I'm watching. Mm-hmm. I was just like typing, and then I was like, okay. I can relax now. And now I gotta worry on the next one. <laughs> oh. Yeah, mine, I was, like, listening to My Favorite Murder, and they were talking about this other one, and they had mentioned the case I'm gonna do, and I was like, well, like, they were like, oh, it's kind of the opposite of what happened in this one, and I was like, oh, my god, I have to look that up, so that's what I'm doing today. Oh, and just so you guys know, we have no idea what case each other oh, covered, yeah. so this should be exciting, because yeah, last time we did know, we knew to an extent right. what we were gonna do. Yeah. Um, so this should be exciting. Yeah, because last episode, um, for those who didn't listen to the last one, um, we did like the, that wasn't like a shady comment. <laughs> no, because we've got like two listeners, so it's fine. <laughs> and they're all our friends, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh. None of my family, but. Right, right. <laughs> maybe Tyler will listen. <laughs> maybe. That's a hard maybe. Yeah. But he did listen, because like when I started listening to MFM and we drove cross country, he listened with me. The whole time, so. He does like it, but he's not like a, oh, I'm gonna look at it myself. Yeah, But if yeah. I'm like, hey, listen. Not like us. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not, not fucking crazy people like us. Yes. But, uh, all right. I mean, I guess we can we roll can into it. get started, yeah. Okay. okay so, you want to go first, because I went first last time? Yeah. Perfect. I'll go first, and I hope this isn't super long, but it's a very fucking terrible thing. Oh, God. And, like, my heart was, like breaking reading this um and I'll I'll tell you I'll get into it more but obviously but uh when things are like fate not not really fate like this should have happened but for some reason it was like this person instead I don't know why kind of like a coincidence kind of thing no you'll you'll understand when I talk about it but those things just fuck me up like yeah it just like blows my mind and I I don't even know. It's like, I don't even know. Anyway, I'll just get into it. Okay. <laughs> no, like, fucking ramble. For no, you're good. You're good. Right. I, I literally am clueless, so, like, <laughs> let's, let's get, let's see what it is. All right. So, I am doing the Browns Chicken Massacre. Have you ever heard of it? No. Me either. I never thought Literally, heard the it. first thing that comes to mind is, like, a truck carrying those chickens, like, toppled over. <laughs> I wish that was a story because this is a fuck ton worse. Oh, God. All right. And so I got all of my info from stuff on Murderpedia, which is fucking bomb. But, okay. Mm-hmm. Take a deep breath. God, here we, we gotta go get for centered. This, this fucking crazy thing. Oh, gosh. All right. So. Oh, just to preface this, this wasn't solved. It is now. Oh, okay, okay. But I was like, <gasps> yeah. Do you know how cool it would be to solve like a like a 
12 year murder or not 12 but like a 50 right? year murder like year old murder right? i wish i was more well it's kind of like the golden state killer that solved like in our era yeah but like that was just recent too yeah. i wish i was like more like following it but obviously yeah. we weren't even fucking alive for like we weren't even thought of for ages like no. our parents were <laughs> no. children not even a thought <laughs> so i not that i want anyone to ever be murdered but i feel like it would be so cool to like from the start, and I like right. Watch it would be it cool to way. be a part of that. Right. Like, I mean, I don't want to be like a character. In no, 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 <laughs> no. And we don't want anyone. I, I don't. If you take anything away from this podcast, we don't want anyone to be murdered. Yeah. Don't fuck. <laughs> this people. is just our sick, twisted, like fan, like fangirling on like how people think that way. Fangirling yeah. was the yeah. wrong word. I but... thought you were gonna say fantasy, and I was like, what no, 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 no. <laughs> Now we're just, like, talking us down a hill. People are like, okay, I'm bailing now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, okay. Here we go. So, it's January 8th, 1993, and a cold Friday night in Palatine, something like that, Illinois. <laughs> so there are seven people working at Brown's Chicken and Pasta. I apologize for my pronunciation of these people's names. Guadalupe Maldonado, who is oh, 47. God. Michael Castro, who is 16, Thomas Menz, who is 32, Marcus Nelson is 31, Rico Solis is 17, and the owners Richard Ellenfeld, oh god, 50, and Lynn Ellenfeld is 49. I think you crushed that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be like, no, it's actually fucking pronounced this anyway okay cool <laughs> which is fine you can let us know <laughs> all right so it's 9 p.m and the restaurant is closed the fryers have been shut off the brown tile floor has been mopped the countertops and the tables have been cleaned but the owners had put their whole life savings into buying this franchise so they were known to like let the last few stragglers in after they closed because yeah. every dollar counted yeah so a ford tempo pulled up nearby and after closing, two people walked into the store. Obviously, at the time, they didn't know if it was one person, five people, or whatever. Right. But, so nine years later, those men are discovered to be James Degorski, who was 20, and Juan Luna, who was 18. Hold <laughs> on, can we take a time yeah. out? Normally, when, well, at least the couple cases that we've covered, these people have been so young. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, wh- uh, What? Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, just said. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Um, but yeah, so they had walked funny into the restaurant to avoid footprint identification, and they used a sweatshirt to open the door. Oh, red, red flag. Right? But obviously, like, they're, everyone's right. cleaning up, no, no one's, one's, like, paying no attention. No one's paying attention, yeah. At 9.08 p.m., a $5 four-piece chicken dinner and a drink is rung up. They grab a booth near the front and eat most of the meal and throw the rest in the trash. They put on latex gloves and walk up to the counter and announce the crime. So Tom, one of the employees, jumps over the counter trying to escape, but he's shot. And he's dragged into a walk-in freezer. At the other end of the restaurant, Luna, and I hate that I call him his last name because I'm a Harry Potter fan, Mm -hmm. and Luna, Lovegood is like my favorite character, but I was like... (laughs) We'll call him his fucking last name. Anyway, so, yeah, Luna was watching over for the workers and Lynn, one of the owners, 
and they were all facing downward on the floor near another walk-in cooler. Mm -hmm. So there was the walk-in freezer and then the walk-in cooler on, like, opposite ends. Interesting. So he ordered three of the people in the freezer, and Nelson, he tried to run out the back door, but Luna had hit him in the head with his gun and ordered him inside the freezer. But also, I I feel like I talk about it later, but before the fuckers had come in the door, they, um, the back employee entrance, they had, like, wedged a, um, piece of wood so So that they couldn't couldn't get get out. out. Oh my gosh. Um. You were setting, like, the scene for this movie. (laughs) I'm sitting here watching it in my mind and I'm like, like, what's gonna happen? (laughs) Well, it's also because, like, some of these articles were fucking amazingly written. Oh, good. Um, so it was, like, really easy to, like, put this together. We love it when that happens. But also when I was writing it, I was like, well, I want to, like, be like, they don't know who it is. They don't know who it is. Right, right, right. But then I was like, but it would take me so much longer to tell the story because... Right. No, no, no. So I, I totally just get threw it. in the names. Yeah. But, okay. Um, okay, so he ordered him back in the freezer, and Luna said that at this point it was getting all wild and crazy. So he also had a knife, and he ordered Lynn to open the safe. Once she opened it, he slit her throat... <gasps> And he said she was lying there, gargling. No. And then ran out of breath. He claimed that he bowed his head and was, like, overwhelmed and, like, breathing heavily. Oh, shut up. Shut up. You know exactly what you did. You meant to do it. Stop it. Exactly. No one fucking feels bad for you. No. Anyway, um, so then Degorski dragged her back into the freezer and everyone was, like, yelling, like, please don't shoot us. Please don't shoot us. And they had, like, mopped up the blood. Um... The two guys did? Um, yeah. Okay. But, and then so, and then they, they began shooting into the freezer. In his confession, uh, Luna's, ten years later, he claimed that he didn't know whether he hit any of the people, the five people inside, which is... I hate it yeah. when they, like, right. confess, sure but, like, cluelessly. Right. Like, like no, just admit <laughs> it. Just yeah. admit it. You did it. You, you need to, like, exactly. own up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so the wounds are terrible. Shots strike all the victims in the head. Rico three times. Um, Maladonado, Nelson, and Michael twice. And Lynn once. All but Lynn and Nelson are shot in the hands and arms, suggesting that like, they, like, futilely try to protect themselves. And as they lay dying, one of the victims vomits onto the tile floor. And police kept that detail a secret, like they never released it, so that, um, I'll talk about it later, but the women's accounts were authentic because yeah. they mentioned that. Yeah. Um, the gunman also shot Michael twice through his right shoulder and once in the chest. And after that, one of the killers stabs him in the stomach. <gasps> so they're like, perhaps to ensure he's dead after some, like, involuntary Stabbing movement of his body. Just, like, that, that... Right? It just hits me, over, like, like oh, in a certain way because that's so, like, mm-hmm. you're so involved... Yeah. And, and after, it's... like, shooting them all this time, that's, like, fucking overkill. Oh, like, 100%. That's why some of the things that were, like, maybe it was, oh, wait, or was it actually one of the killers had dated his sister or something like that? Or they're, like, oh, oh, maybe there's a connection because it was such overkill on him. Yeah. Um, but I can't confirm that because I didn't yeah. find that. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, so then Richard, the other, the husband owner and Tom were working in the other walk-in cooler. So, initially, they're like, we're being robbed. Um, but which, okay, so, I guess that was taken from two different things. 
Because the one thing was, like, Tom is out front, jumps over the counter. Oh, no, I guess that would still make sense. Yeah. Because remember how I said he was shot and then he was dragged there? Yeah, yeah, But, like, yeah. I guess you still think, oh, it's just being uh, robbery. Not, like, oh, someone's coming here just to murder fucking people. Right. Yeah. No, okay. there has to be some kind of intent. Right. Yeah. Okay. To it. So, yeah, I guess we'll just keep going with this. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, initially they think they're being robbed. Tom stuffs $90 of cash in his sock. Richard hides the credit card inside a box, and then the killers come for them. Mm-hmm. um, later told police he shot both men, um, according to court documents, and the bullets strike Richard five times in the shoulder, back and head. Three shots strike Tom, and the two die side by side, feet toward the door. The killers shot, shoot 21 bullets from one thirty-eight caliber handgun. They say the murderers must load and reload the six-chamber weapon at least three times. And Degorski kicked the bodies to make sure they were dead. Then, after 44 minutes, the men leave the restaurant with around only fucking $1,800. Yeah. What? I mean, like, it sounds terrible, but, like, if you're gonna fucking murder me, I hope you take, like, a fucking billion dollars. Like, $1,800? Yeah, it's gotta be worth something more than... But... That's... So, yeah, they leave after cutting the power in the switch box, and it leaves the clock at 9.52 p.m., and they leave five victims in a walk-in freezer and two in a walk-in cooler, and those 44 minutes of horror make headlines across the country. Oh, my God, I'm sure. So, at 12.21 a.m., police officer Ron Conley pulls into Browns after he sees Pedro Maldonado peering in the windows looking for his, his brother, Guadalupe, who was the fry cook. The restaurant's dark, but there are five cars still parked outside. Mm-hmm. At 102, police officer Dan Bonneville meets the parents of Michael Castro at Brown's <clears throat> because their son Michael is missing. But, so this is, I don't know why it's important, but like the article mentioned it, that the Castros say that this happened at 11.45 and not 102 a.m., but... That's a pretty decent gap. Right? Yeah. And, but yeah, it said, like, for the whole time it was unsolved, it was still, like, debated what time that was. Yeah. <clears throat> but at 3 a.m., Officer Conley meets with um, Manny Castro, who's the father, at Brown's. And this time, they check the doors and discover that the employee's entrance is unlocked and the door has been wedged shut with a piece of wood to prevent them from escaping. Oh, my God. If I saw that, like, your heart would just, right? sink, like, sink. And I think maybe the time discrepancy is important because one of the officers said that they searched the um, doors, but then they were like, there's no way they could have because they would have seen this. But right. anyway, because I think there were like, there might have been lawsuits later by the parents and like the family members to be like, yo, if you would have checked earlier, maybe some people would have survived. Right. Right. But I think later on, everyone was like, no, no one would have survived. With how brutal it was, I really don't think either, but there's always that possibility. Yeah. But I think, like, the lawsuit was, like, dismissed or, like, dropped or something. Yeah. But okay, so they notice the door, and when they step inside, Mr. Castro sees Michael's jacket hanging just inside. But the officer notices the freezer just inside the entrance. An arm is sticking out of the door, <gasps> propping it open. Stop, stop. And blood has pulled on the brown tile floor in front of, front of it. I've got goosebumps. Right? Oh, my God. Could you imagine just walking in and there's a fucking arm? No. Out? No. But thankfully, Mr. Castro doesn't see it because the officer blocks him and says this oh, is good. a crime scene. Yeah. Okay. So, thankfully, the father doesn't fucking see that. Oh, my God. But, 
So an officer calls Deputy Chief McGregor a little, a little after 3.30 a.m. and says, I'm at the Brown's Chicken Boss. We've got a bunch of dead people in the cooler. And McGregor, like, tries to calm him down because his voice is, like, shaking. And then the officer says, I'm wrong. There are more dead people in the other cooler. Oh, my God. So McGregor asks if there are people, any people alive. Do you need medical service? And the officer just says no. I need a coroner. Right? I threw that in there because it's just, like, not that it's, like, necessary to the story, but I was, like, Uh, it just, like, shows how much, like, it was, like, what the fuck. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so then two fire engines, an ambulance, a squad crew, two paramedics, and a shift commander are all sent to Browns, but none of them are needed. They said when they walked inside, their jaws hit the floor. The senselessness of it overwhelmed them. They checked everyone for a pulse, but sadly there wasn't any, there were no pulses. And everyone just kept asking why, and they kept asking that question for nine years. Yeah. During this time, Mayor Rita Mullen said that people did look from side to side, wondering who could have done this. It was the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Also, is the, this is definitely not picking it up, but my cat is outside meowing. <laughs> She's to like, get let in. me in. He's like, Mom, please, I just need to be in there. Anyway, so yeah, so for nine years, no one fucking has a clue. So I want to talk about the victims, and this is the part that, like, really got me. Really hit Because you. of the... Uh, anyway, I'll, you, you'll understand. Okay. Okay. So, Rico Salas was 17 years old. He had come to the States from the Philippines the previous May. Mm-hmm. He had thought about quitting Browns in the days and weeks leading up to the murders because he hated the grease spattering up on him, and it was always on his skin and his hair, and he could never fucking get it off. Yeah. So, he applied to Menards, but he didn't. He needed money to pay his bills and fix up his 1986 red Dodge Charger he bought from his stepdad and to save for a newer model. The owners knew he was unhappy and promoted him to front counter cashier and promised him more hours. Rico wasn't on the schedule for January 8th, but he stopped at the Browns after school to get his paycheck anyway. <clears throat> Casey Sander, 17, who was the only girl working at Browns besides the owner's two youngest daughters. She came in around four because she always worked on Fridays, but the owners offered to give her her first Friday night off since she worked there so that Rico could work in her place. That's the shit I'm fucking talking about, where it's like, like, you're not supposed to be there, but for some coincidence, you're there, and it's like... (sighs) These poor kids. And he's not the fucking only one. It, like, gets worse. Oh, God. Well, I mean, I guess it's the same fucking level. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I I get it. But it's Um, crazy. Well, okay, keep going. Um, okay, so... (laughs) Yeah. So his sister said that Rico had passed his sister, um, 14-year-old, um, Jade in the hallway at school that afternoon, but he looked the other way because big brother and little sister never talked in school, and she says she wishes she would have just said hi. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That broke my heart. And... His father had been stabbed to death in the Philippines five years earlier when Rico was 12. Oh, my God. So they God. literally fucking come to the States and then, like... This shit happens. But, okay. So, the next one. Michael Castro was 16, and he was scheduled to work that Friday. But his older sister had tried to get him to skip and join her at a party. But Michael dreamed of becoming a Marine and took his job seriously. So, despite his sister's pleas, he wouldn't let his bosses down. He and Rico were friends, and he taught Rico how to avoid trouble in school and how to speak better English. 
Next, we've got Celso Morales. He stopped in for his paycheck. He usually works on Fridays, but he was off because the new employee, Guadalupe Maldonado, is working in his place. Mm-hmm. He was 47. He had been in the U.S. for three weeks. He used to work for his family's farm in Mexico, but he brought his wife and three sons, who were 13, 10, and 5, to live in Palantine so he could earn some money because the Mexican economy was sagging. He had stayed in the U.S. two other times and worked at the ye old town and restaurant as a dishwasher and then quickly progressed to cook. Most of the cooks were, like, sloppy, but he never cut corners. He was always meticulous, even when no one was watching. He and his family flew up to the States on December fucking 23rd. He was going to go back to work for the ye old whatever, but they couldn't hire him back until April or May, so he applied at Browns and was hired on the spot. He worked most days from 4 to 9 p.m. and usually got home to spend some time with the boys before their bedtime. He received his first paycheck on January 8th for about $230. Like, can you imagine? That was his first fucking week. This is all a bunch of shouldn'ts that did. Right? And I know I'm, like, really talking in depth about these victims, and I don't talk in depth about the fucking killers. No, they don't deserve it. But I, like, this one got me so fucking much, I was like, I'm gonna talk about these people, and it's, yeah. Yeah, like, it's their story (laughs) that needs to be heard. (sighs) They're, like, $230. And and he died. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) This hurts my heart. (laughs) Okay, so Tom Menz was 32. He had worked at, like, a bunch of low-paying stuff, grocery stores, a working, a roofing company, but they didn't pay him enough, so he applied to Browns, and he was a breeder at Browns. So I guess, like, Browns, like, raise their own fucking chickens? Is that what? That's awesome. Right? Yeah. (laughs) So. It's, like, the freshest you can get. Um, Casey, the one who I talked about before, mm-hmm. she said he was the sweetest guy and almost like a big brother to her. Um, both of them rode their bikes to work, and Tom would walk her safely to her bike at night or wipe the seat dry and roll it up to the employee's entrance for her. And when her tire was flat one night, he offered to walk her home. Aww. Like, I fucking hate these two men. Angel. Um, Marcus Nelson was 31. He viewed Browns as a temporary job. He struggled through a divorce and sent his ex-wife and daughter most of his pay. He was in the Navy but struggled with alcohol, so he went to rehab. Mm. He met a woman there, and that was what brought him to the area with Brown in it. Um, he had been a cook in the Navy, so he was management material at Brown's. Um, he was the assistant there um, to the owners, and he was supposed to head off to classes offered by the corporation soon. Mm. And then the last ones... We have the Ellen Feltz. I, like, didn't realize this, like, it was this many people until, like, you went into all of them. Like, I heard all the names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, you going into it, I'm like, wow, it just keeps going. Yeah. And I think that's why I, like, wanted to talk about fucking all of them, because it's, like, so fucking much, and it was yeah. just so mindless and terrible. Yeah. But, yeah, so the owners had been working grilling hours to build their franchise they bought back in May 1992. They put nearly all their retirement money to buy it. Yes, they ne- they put nearly all of their retirement <laughs> money to buy it after Richard lost his job. The kids later said that they worked so much to help put them through college. The youngest one had just graduated from high school, and she said the only reason they showed up to her graduation party was to drop the food off because they were constantly working to put them through school. Oh my gosh! Lynn had planned to take the evening off, but instead she let her middle daughter Dana leave in the afternoon instead. 
Lynn is the third person to be substituted for someone else. But I just know that, like, Lynn, when she was in that situation, she was like, fucking thank God it's me dying and not my daughter. Like, thank right. fucking God I let her go home. Oh, my God. But if it was me, I'd be like, why isn't it me? <laughs> I always tell my parents, I'm like, don't you ever die. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. And that's why, like, Casey, the one who wasn't there, she was like, it was just a chance, um, no different than a flip of a coin that put the seven victims of Browns at night. So her and her boyfriend had, like, watched the, like, the high school basketball game that night, and they were driving, and around 9 p.m., Casey was like, hey, like, let's stop at my work, um, because she, because the next day she was supposed to talk to Lynn about her hours, and she was supposed to get, like, a raise, but she was like, no, I'll just, I'll just wait for tomorrow. She was like, if we would have stopped, they would have walked in on the killings, and she felt guilty for so fucking long, because she was like, why did someone else die, and it wasn't me? Right. And that's, oh my god, I'm... That's fucking shit. I just can't. Like, it's so... Like, here's my obsession with, like, true crime and my fascination, but then it's, like, it's this shit is, like... Yeah. yeah. And it's just, like, just the chance. Like, yeah. like I said, it's a whole bunch of mm-hmm. shouldn'ts that did. Yeah. Like... <sighs> um, but another employee, um, Mike John, which is, like... <laughs> sounds like a made-up fucking name. <laughs> What's your That's name? both uh, of my brother's my names. Really- <laughs> Michael and John. <laughs> my parents yeah. named us all very white <laughs> and generic. Megan, <laughs> Michael, and John. <laughs> Wait, isn't there, like, a band called, like, Mary, John, and Peter, or Mary, whatever? There's something like Probably. that. Probably. <laughs> we should start our own band, Megan, Mike, and John. <laughs> They're not listening to this, so I'm not even going to give them a shout-out. <laughs> They both told me. They were like, nope. It's not a jam. Thanks. Wait, no, you can fucking pretend, okay? Well, my brother was like, I support you. I'm not going to listen, though. And I was like, Just tell me to go in and like. Even yeah. if he doesn't. Yeah. But, it was three stars. Yeah. Or four stars. Or how many stars there are. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yeah. He wasn't scheduled to work that night. But, so, like, later, after they discovered who did it, he knew one of the killers. And they were, like, friends, like, when they were younger. So, he was like, would it have made a difference if I was working that night or not but oh my we God. pretty i think the police are like nah fuck him but anyway yeah so yeah over the next two months they photographed and videotaped every inch of the place they dusted tables counters sinks walls to hopefully find some usable prints right they took countertops tabletops the steel door the partially eaten chicken dinner that was found in an otherwise clean garbage bag because you know they were basically cleaned up for the yeah. night and so the chicken was in the fucking bag just keep that in your mind for a little bit. Woo! So, they collect um, so much evidence that it filled a former classroom at the police station. 200 fingerprints were collected. 240 pieces of evidence were examined. 3,000 phone tips were taken. 1,000 leads investigated. 1,600 years of... Years? Oh, <laughs> hours! Hours of crime lab time used. And the community raised $120,000 as a reward. Wow. But yeah, they still Holy shit. nine fucking years. But so even after all with all that shit. But okay, so police were curious about the switch box that was cut to cut the power because it was like tucked behind like a wall. So you didn't like see it if you just like How walked did they know? by. So they were like, did the killers was that like just sheer fucking chance or like did they have knowledge of like the place? Like did they work right. there? So the police were, like, swimming in fucking phone calls and all this evidence, 
And because everyone kept calling in, they were like, yo, it's my fucking ex. This person did it, blah, blah, blah. So the police are like, oh, it has to be like two to four killers. But then later they're like, nope, it's like one person. Because they found like some like footprint, but it wasn't like a really good one. I think like it was like partial... in the blood. But okay. yeah, because it was like, uh, it was a Nike something. And they were like, oh, the dude's like six feet tall. So they're like, oh, it's one person. And some of them were like, oh, it's they were, they're 18 to 25. But others were like, no, they're in the 30s or the 40s. Right. Um, Just all over the right? place. Right, so it was, like, fucking nothing. And they suggested that former, former workers were the likely suspects. So Casey was looked at every fucking year. And so was her boyfriend that she was with that night. Um, but one employee did catch their eye, Martin Blake. He had just been fired, and the day of the killings, he was in to pick up his final paycheck. Um, when Blake was out, walked out to his driveway the next day, he, like, lifted his the hood of his car because it wouldn't start, and the police swarmed him, and they took him in. Oh, jeez. They questioned him about, like, where he fucking was, and he was like, oh, I was drinking with my friends at my house. Um, they questioned him for 48 hours over three days. Holy but shit. But he wasn't the guy, so they let him go. And when he went home, the hood of his car was still up, how he left it. I don't know. That was like, I added the hood thingy, because I thought that was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they interviewed 300 current and former employees. Wow. Including Luna. And he had been cleared. What? Yeah. Because the one, I talk about her later, but she went with them. And because they were like, oh, go with him so it's like not as suspicious. And so they were like, oh, yeah, he looked cool, like whatever. So yeah, they cleared him, they let him go. Oh, I guess I talk about them next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so finally, in fucking 2002, the former girlfriend of Degorski, Ann Lockett, called the police. She said that Degorski called her the night of the murders and said to watch the news that night, and they had done something big. Lockett said that they threw the gun into the Fox River. It took her so long to say something because she said they told her that if she said anything, they would kill her. And she was like, they already killed seven people. What's the fucking stop right. them from killing, making an eight? Right. Um, but she was like, I owed it to the families, and that was more important. Oh, my God, yeah. And imagine how heavy your conscience right? would be. Mm-hmm. I couldn't yeah. even, I'd be like, oh, I won't tell, next yeah, thing, I'd, right? I'd be like, I'm the biggest snitch, but, right. like, I couldn't have yeah, that on my I conscience, couldn't. no. Because the whole time, they're just, like, out free, and everyone's like, well, who the fuck killed my family, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, nine fucking years later. But, okay, so, yeah, the police brought the guys in, and they both agreed to a swab of their mouths. And the police still had the fucking chicken. And they had no that idea. That was collected from the trash yeah. from that night. And because they froze it after the murders. It had a bite out of it. And since it was the only thing in the garbage that night, it had to have been from the killers who ordered at 9 oh fucking 8 Right. So, and, because um, obviously when the murder happened, it was like 1993 and DNA wasn't good. So they hadn't tested it. But at this point, they were like, okay, DNA testing is good enough, so let's finally test it. And it matched with Luna. And so that was the person who ate the last meal at Brown's. Could you imagine, like, if they didn't order anything, mm-hmm. it would probably still be unsolved, especially since right? he passed, like, the initial mm-hmm. questioning. Well, that's, like, um, the murder that I heard that, where they mentioned this, the other murder, the, they were like, oh, no, because it was a bunch of people like this, too. I think they were all, like, kids. Um, and they were like, oh, no, they're, they just left, you know? They just, like, stole my money and they just fucking left. So the next day, like the next morning, they had everyone come in, clean fucking everything. <gasps> no. Threw out all the garbage. It's oh still unsolved. God. They don't know who did that. 
idiots. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what put me onto this one was the chicken. Because I was like, that that's is fucking crazy. Crazy. Because it's that close right? to... You want to know how close? Prosecutors say that it is so conclusive that only 1 in 2.8 trillion people could fit the profile. And only <laughs> 6 billion people live on Earth. What? Right? It's like, <laughs> you're fucked. Yeah, there's no way of getting right? out of that one. And I read some things that were like, the De- the Degorski, so not the one who ate the chicken, right, was mad that he got it because he was like, you're going to get greasy fingerprints fucking everywhere. So, but yeah, if they didn't have that, I mean... I mean, Degorski was still convicted. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Thankful like, for stupid people. Right? <laughs> but, like, yeah, why the fuck would you eat? You gotta be fucking ballsy to be like, oh, I'm gonna eat, Okay, know? if I knew, this is never gonna happen, mm-hmm. but if I knew I was going in to, like, kill seven people, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be hungry. Oh, my God, right? I'd be so stressed out. Right? But that's, I mean, psychopaths are like, ooh, gotta, gotta prepare right. for game They're dead day. inside. Right? But, yeah, so, um... Lockett, the girlfriend, well, ex-girlfriend, put them on to Eileen Bacala, who was a friend of the guys who backed up Lockett's story. She was with them after the killing. She wasn't involved or anything. They okay. just hung out with her after. And Wait, was she the one that knew for so long? Well, they both did. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Because um, she was... But I don't think... So, Degorski, like, literally told Lockett, like, the girlfriend. Yeah. We did this. But, like, I think Eileen was kind of more, oh, I saw these things, and they said something mm. shady, and I was, like, kind of put two to two together. Gotcha. But, but, yeah, so she saw the latex gloves in Luna's car that night. They gave her, like, 50 bucks, and then the killers, like, split the, like, the 1800 And the next day, um, Degorski like has her drive him by Browns, and he's, like, more than a robbery went on there. So, Yeah. So she, like, knew, but, like, he wasn't, like, oh, hey, this. But, I mean, it was still, like, she fucking knew. Yeah. But. She knew he had some part right. in it. Um, yeah, so Degorski was trouble in 1990. Him and his friends had torched a trailer, and he pleaded guilty. Eight months before the murders, he was convicted and given fucking only probation. For what? beating up, restraining with duct tape, and kidnapping a girlfriend who tried to break up with him. I don't know about, like, what this prosecutor's office was like, but I don't think we would have given this man probation at my office. <laughs> my my jaw is like, on the no. ground. Like, I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure it would be, like, jail time. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. And if he at was least in, I would think right? so. If he was in jail, would he have been in jail for eight months? And then maybe this wouldn't have happened? Was there anything on the trial, like, if it was, like, a deadlock kind of thing? Like, that they couldn't, like prove beyond a reasonable a reasonable doubt like concretely that the jury like I don't it did it go to trial like with the jury what this the murders or the kidnapping thing never mind I just answered my own question I was talking about a totally different thing okay okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) never mind keep going oh my god I thought that (laughs) oh you said they you thought they only got probation with the murders oh that's okay. why I, I was now like, I understand. What like, the fuck? <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. That'd be fucking. That'd be fucked up if you only got probation for uh, murdering seven people. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So they focus on Browns because Luna had worked there, but he left a bit before Lynn and Richard took over. But he left on fucking good terms. Like there were no like no problems. Um. 
but he knew there were no alarms. He knew where they kept the money, that there were, like, no guards or anything. Yeah. And he knew when there would be less customers. They both used to kill small animals, but they wanted to do more. So that's what Lockett said. And then the police suspect that they went to the restaurant to kill and not to rob. Which oh, makes feel me feel like, like why didn't they? I mean, I guess there was already seven. Because I was like, wouldn't they want to go where there's more customers? But that'd probably be a lot to handle. And also harder to cover up. Yeah, true. But yeah, so finally, after nine fucking years, Figorsky and Juan were arrested in 2002. They pleaded not guilty, but they faced the death penalty. The trial started about 14 years after the killings. Um, the defense the defense claimed that Luna's confession was coerced. Um, uh, so his was caught on videotape. Degorski did confess, but his wasn't recorded. Um, but the defense tried to discredit the DNA from the chicken, saying that the results were not conclusive and that it was mishandled. I also read some things that were like... The chicken wasn't immediately frozen, so it, like, thawed and, like, froze and all this stuff, but... All the science-y shit. Yeah. But, um... But apparently it was so good, and, like, the major evidence that the jury relied on was, like, the DNA from the chicken, a palm print that experts matched to Luna, as well as the confession. Luna's confession was 43 minutes long. I find that so eerie, because the murder, basically, was 44 minutes long. That's insane. Um, so yeah, they were both sentenced to life in prison without parole, Luna on May 18th, 2007, and it was 11 to 1 for the death penalty, so okay. he didn't get it, so it has to be unanimous. <sighs> that was so close. And then Degorski was on September 29th, 2009, he, he was 10 to 2 for death, so he didn't get it. Okay. But I mean, I, I guess I understand why it's 11, it's, yeah. another person was more for death for Luna because the chicken really put him there and the other things were just like. Right. No, the, that makes sense. But still, yeah, sadly. Some of the, some of the family members of the victims were like, oh, I'm glad that they didn't get death because we're against it. But others were like, no, this is fucking bullshit. Right. But also, I think it was the, the three daughters of the owners were like, we just want them to fucking say that they fucking did it and their family to stop pretending that they're all fucking innocent because they're fucking not. Right. Um. But, yeah, so... Clearly. Oh, yeah. So, let's... I know that was fucking terrible, but, like, listen to some of this bullshit. Oh, God, it gets worse? (laughs) eh, So, not worse, but, like, because uh, it's hard to beat seven murders, but... (laughs) Fair, fair. But, yeah, so, in March 2014, a jury awarded James Degorski $451,000 in compensation and punitive damages because he was beaten by a sheriff's deputy in jail in May 2002. And he suffered facial fractures that required surgery. And the deputy was eventually dismissed. Okay. I'm going to try and play devil's Uh advocate because that wasn't right. You're right. It was not. But also, this motherfucker shot seven people. And, like, that's a lot of fucking money. Like, you just, like... That's a lot of money for someone that's just chilling in prison. But also, I don't know what, like, he's going to do with this money. Like, does he... Do they have, like, that... I know I've watched some kind of show where they have, like, a... Like a little convenience store where they can get snacks and whatnot in jail. He's getting mad snacks. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's insane. I don't think he should have been rewarded money, per se, yeah. but, like, that wasn't right yeah. of the... I mean, maybe... But no, that's punitive as well. Because I was like, maybe if it was just, like, common, like compensatory damages for, like, the surgery and everything like that. But it's also right. punitive, like... Okay. So, like, obviously. Because I could see a surgery being about that much, yeah. 
But, so hopefully he didn't get that full amount in his fucking pocket. But... He had nothing to do with it. I'm also kind of surprised that, like, that much was given for, like, punitive. I don't know. But I didn't really research all into that. Maybe it was some, like, fucked up shit that, like, the officer did. But anyway. But yeah, so the franchise never reopened, and the building was torn down in 2001. Oh, that's there, right? There was talks of building a memorial, but it didn't happen. But, oh, there were some things that were, like... Um, some people will drive by, and now that it's not there, and no one will know, like, no one will remember the green building, and all the tragedy that happened there, because it's not there anymore. They won't see this, they won't see, oh my god, it was terrible. And also, one more last kicker. Oh god. In 1995, the three daughters of the owners settled to pay 57000 to settle their parents' estate with the building's owner, John Gregornick, the fucking (laughs) asshole, who sued the daughters what? seven months after the killings, accusing them of breaching the parents' lease by not reopening after the murders. He sought $655,581. Tell me he fucking lost. Right? Tell me he fucking lost. Well, no, I'm pissed they settled. off. They settled for 57000 What? But yeah, because he wanted this for back rent and other costs. Shut the... What? Right? Could you imagine? Oh. And seven months after your parent, both of your parents are fucking like brutally murdered. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm suing you for your fucking rent. What? Yeah. I'm speechless. Right? What? Yeah. The doc, the daughters countersued and asked the courts to like terminate the lease. Um, they argued that even if they had opened, no one would come because of the fucking mass murders. Right. Um, yeah. The girls lost everything. Basically all of their inheritance, their parents' life savings that went into the franchise. Because, like, the lawsuit and everything. I yeah. hate that man. Right? But it's okay because, uh, well, okay, maybe he just owned the building and not, like, the company. Because I know the company, like, had to close, like, a hundred fucking stores in Chicago. And I don't even right. think it's around anymore. Okay, I, I fucking get it. You're a landlord or whatever they are for but some like, kind of, but, like, can you, like. Yeah. What? How old were these girls? Do you know? They were, two of them were in college and the one had just graduated from high school you are not old enough to like right fully live on your own mm-hmm. and to have to deal with that seven months after right. both of your parents are savagely murdered but yeah that mm. yeah so it's like fucking terrible and then it just never gets better like i get it from a legal aspect for like the landlord like i mean he has to get his money yeah. somehow but like yeah just eat it. Like, yeah. for those girls. They're mm-hmm. so young. Yeah. That's upsetting. But yeah, but one of the daughters is, like, a state rep or something. Oh. Like, Wisconsin or something. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, so that is the fucking awful Brown's Chicken Massacre. That was so good. Right? That Well, not good, but yeah, <laughs> you know. know what I mean. That was... Good job. Thanks. <laughs> I feel like the whole time I'm, like, rushing to speak because I'm, like... Jane, these details that you decided to add that were important aren't actually important to, to speak through. But then there's also me that interrupts every five seconds because I'm like, no, what? that's good. What? That's good. <laughs> okay. So okay. we're on to my um, case. Ooh, okay, I'm ready. So, I love whenever, like, you're done and you can just, like, relax. And, and like, then you breathe. can just, like, listen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. No, I totally, like, fast in that last time. I was like, I'm done. Yes. I'm ready to just chill. <laughs> And my mouth is, like, so dry, I'm like, uh, I need a drink, I need a drink. Well, okay. see, there's me, like, I get so excited over these cases. Not, like, excited, like, oh my god, no, but I just, you. like, 
it's intense. Yeah. That I start, like, I forget to breathe while I talk, so then I run out of breath. (laughs) But that's just me. Eventually we'll get better and we won't talk as fast. Oh my god, we're gonna listen. Who's that? Okay. Oh. We're gonna pause for one second. (laughs) Wait, Tyler, can I just hit, like, stop? Just hit pause. Just hit, just hit pause. All right, back to our regularly scheduled uh, production. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We had to take a brief intermission. Yeah. There was a crisis with her fiance. Yeah. And food. Food is very important. <laughs> food is extremely important. <laughs> okay. okay. So my case is um, about Brian Britton. Okay. And I literally got all of this information from the documentary um, from ID on. It's now on um, Discover Plus. Okay. We're not sponsored. We don't have those yet. <laughs> but um, if any of you guys want to watch it, I strongly advise watching those documentaries because they are intense. And it's okay. all told by, like, the people that have lived through <gasps> the cases. It's like, I survived. Yes. Okay. But it's not. Like, okay. it, it's like a family member or just like a oh, kind of thing. Oh, okay, okay. This one is an I survived, technically. Yeah. And I knew you would like this. So, um, the documentary, I don't know if I said it already, Evil Lives Here. Oh, okay. So, this story is told by Brian's sister, Sherry. Okay. Okay. I've never heard of this. Yeah, this case, it's, it gets you pissed off, but. But see, we're, we're wait, he survived. Don't tell me. Okay, just keep yeah. going. I'll just <laughs> Okay. Oh, shit. Okay, we're good. Okay, so, um, sh- oh, but I also meant to say, this is basically, if you're watching, I was watching it and taking the notes. So, like, oh, okay. if you go to watch this, it's the exact same thing. And I really didn't do any research outside of that, so. No, that's what I did. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. You're welcome. Did you, did you ever watch Awkward? It was no. on, like, what's the, that sounds like like something... the CW or something? No, I don't think it was the CW. I don't know. But, yeah, they're, like, high school kids, and Sadie, she's all be like, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> but I guess it was Me a while ago. Just fine. Anyway, sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm you're ready. good. Okay. So this starts off with some background. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brian was a typical kid from Poughkeepsie? Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. Is that how you say it? Is this in New York? Yes, yeah. New York. Poughkeepsie. Okay. Tyler used to live there. What? Yeah. We're going to have to, well, he, I don't think he, he wouldn't be alive for this, but. But yeah, Tyler's my fiance. Yes. So now you know. Who, yes. Who and he's is. our tech guy yeah. that helps us when we need it. <laughs> like how we learn how to pause this. Yeah, <laughs> just now. <laughs> okay, so, um, his sister said that he was a typical kid, mm-hmm. um, could be selfish at times. Um, for instance, their father would be playing a game with the youngest child, Jason, so there's three of them. The youngest is Jason. Okay. Um, and Brian would constantly be after his father's attention, like he was missing common decencies. Okay. So, I mean, technically, this seems kind of like middle child mm. behavior. Because they're used to being the baby, and now there's a baby, mm-hmm. and they're missing that attention. Um, so, however, um, as they got older... Him and his older sister would butt heads a lot. Normal sibling arguments. Uh, when his sister would tease him, he would start hitting her. But then it got to the point that he wouldn't stop hitting her until she would hit him back. Oh, okay. Like, until he was in pain, then he would stop. Mm. Which is, me and my brother have had yeah. some ruffle tussle kind of ordeals yeah. when we were younger. And I mean, 
throughout watching this, you never got the sense of any kind of neglect or abuse or anything. They seem like a normal family, especially, like, from his sister saying, other than, like, the signs that you'd see in hindsight, Mm -hmm. it seemed like a typical family kind of deal. Hmm. Okay. So... Um, like I said, as he got older, each incident, things would slowly progress and get worse. Um, his sister was working and she would get paid in cash. Okay. And then she would give her cash to her mom to deposit. Um, and then she started to find that she was missing like $20 here and there. Mm. And she realized Brian was taking it when he started buying things and he didn't have a job. So like, um... She started having to pick and choose her battles because mm-hmm. then she would confront him and he would get angry and it would just get out of hand. Yeah. So she was like, it's $20. It's not worth yeah. the whole blow up. So when Brian was 15, he became obsessed with war films. Um, she didn't think anything mm-hmm. of it at the time. Um, he would watch these movies, re-watching them countless times. Mm-hmm. Him and his dad would watch them together. Wait, and <laughs> What? If we are ever killers, they'll be like, they'll be telling our backstory. Yeah, oh my God. and they just like listen and read and research about true crime all the time. No one thought anything of this it at the whole t- podcast <laughs> would be a big red flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if well, we ever break, they're gonna be like, these were the signs. Yeah. And no, everyone was like, oh, everyone's into true crime. We didn't think anything of it. But, like, the thing with this is, like, my dad is into very war films, like, Mm old-time war films, and so are my brothers. Now, they don't obsessively watch it, but, like, Saving Private Ryan, all the different movies, Mm -hmm. like, um, Patton, I think people are going to be screaming at me, but, (laughs) no, I'm pretty sure it's Patton. It's not, I keep thinking Patron. No, it's not tequila, even though I wish it was, but Patton. I believe it's Patton, because I watched it countless times, but not, okay. like, compulsively re-watching. Yeah. This was, like, a daily basis mm. kind of thing. Um, so, they didn't think of it as a bad thing, because mm-hmm. um, he wanted to join the Marines. Mm. So, they saw it yeah. as a good thing. It's a good outlet. Mm-hmm. He's interested in it. And they were very optimistic if he go to basic and he would learn discipline and yeah, respect. True. So they thought it was a big, like a good thing. Um, he started collecting hand grenades, bullets, gun, ma- gun magazines, and would wear anything military related or camouflage. Mm. And they just thought of it as a passion, yeah. which I feel like any parent yeah. would. And it's a good, I wouldn't say collecting hand grenades is yeah. a good outlet, <laughs> but like, I mean, you find like cool, yeah. interesting trinkets. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah. Um, so they grew up in a hunting family. They had guns, um, and their father was very strict. Okay. He was very strict, saying that they weren't allowed to touch them if he wasn't home, and if he was only, um, then and only then, what, Megan? <laughs> then and only then he would give them permission to use them, like, if he was with wait. them. Wait, so wait, he was strict with the guns or strict in general? Strict with the guns. Okay, okay. I mean, she made it a point mm, with the guns. Okay. I mean, they seem, to me, as you'll see later on, they seem like typical parents. So, they okay. remind me of mine. Okay. Like, it's, you'll, you'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so his father would teach them how to use the guns in the backyard for, like, target practice and t- to safely use them in a safe mm-hmm. environment. So, like, if anything were to happen, they would know yeah. how to use it. If they were to go gu- uh, hunting, they would know how to yeah. use it. 
Um, and so then, like, the all the war things and him collecting all this stuff is definitely not out of the norm, because, like... No, it, it literally yeah. seems like just yeah. a typical, like, mm-hmm. I want to go to the Marines, this yeah. is so cool. People are into it, history, so, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't... I mean, when things take a turn, you're, mm-hmm. you look back and you're like, oh, oh my god, these are signs, yeah. but it's a passion of his yeah. kind of thing. So, um, eventually... He got into Chinese throwing stars. Oh, okay. And he would throw them at the wooden paneling in the living room. Oh. Of course, getting in trouble. Um, His parents would take them away and he would just get more. Just blatant disregard for any type of respect towards his parents. Um, They kept holding out for him to, um, for when he left for the military, hoping it would set him Mm -hmm. straight. Um... Their parents began to let them date in high school, but their parents made sure that school was their first priority, um, letting them see their boyfriends, girlfriends once a week mm-hmm. on the weekends, which to me, that's real. Like, that, yeah. that makes sense. It, it just makes sense. Um, excuse me. <laughs> I just lost my place. Parents. Okay, weekends. So, this would start major fights between Brian and his parents. Um, they thought it was just a rebellious teen behavior and that he'll break the phase at some point. Mm-hmm. And, like, to be fair, in high school, you get your boyfriend, girlfriend, like, you're obsessed with yeah. them. Like, it's just a part mm-hmm. of life. <laughs> God, I hate, like, thinking <laughs> about my younger self. I'm like, I'm so fucking embarrassed. <laughs> well, see, I was... Not that I do anything, like, that's super embarrassing, but I'm just, like, embarrassed in general of myself. (laughs) Oh, I'm always embarrassed by myself. Like, I'm just dumb. (laughs) Not really. But, like, in high school, I never... I'm still this way. Like, I never had a boyfriend. Just, like, I didn't care. I wanted to be with my friends. Of course, I had crushes on Mm -hmm. guys, talked to them. Um... But nothing ever came out of it, so I was never really in that phase. It was more so I just wanted to hang out with my friends. Yeah. So, um... Sorry. No, 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 no. I just need to get better at, like, holding my place. (laughs) But, like I said, this would start major fights between Brian and his parents. Okay. Um, They thought it was just rebellious teen behavior. Oh, I already said that. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but nothing seemed to work. His obsessions became literally the military and his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. That is, his world revolved around okay. them. So, January 22nd of 1989. Oh, I forgot to... Yeah. Okay, so we're in 1989 <laughs> okay, right <okay>. now. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's girlfriend brought over a bottle of vodka, and Brian decided it would be a good idea to chug basically the entire bottle. Mm. Yeah, see, vodka's my shit, but that's not a good idea. Uh, vodka <laughs> was my shit until I beer-bonged a whole funnel worth of vodka. Oh. Totally ruined drinking for myself. Now, tequila. Oh. I could drink tequila like water. Oh. <laughs> so you feel his pain. That's yes. Oh, my pain. God. I literally was watching this. I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I've, I've been there. I should have gone to the hospital. I didn't, but... Um, so he ended up passing out. Mm -hmm. His girlfriend called his father to take him to the hospital where he had to get his stomach pumped from Mm. alcohol. And his sister was saying 
this sounds morbid, but knowing what I know now, uh-huh. I would have gone back and tried to stop my dad from, from saving, saving him. him. Mm-hmm. And I, this is so fun because you have, not fun, but, like, you have no idea what's to come. I know, like, I don't know who's dying. You said <laughs> someone survives. What? So I'm like, oh. Oh, I'm, I'm keeping the suspense to the end. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the alcohol incident. And then March 20th, this is two days before the incident. Okay. So, March 20th, the family um, was going to the grandparents' 45th wedding anniversary, and Brian refused to go. Um, He wanted to go see his girlfriend, and his sister Hmm. said, in in quotes, it was like his family was a bother and, um, and had them, and that he had them to do things with. Mm, like just they were total inconvenience to him so now we go to march 22nd 1989 okay sherry said that her dad picked her up from college um brought her home she said her parents were happy she hugged and kissed them goodnight showered and called her boyfriend and after talking with him she went to bed i'm ready i'm not ready. next thing she remembers was waking up in a hospital with a massive <gasps> headache and her he- and her ears ringing. She touched her head and realized that it was hooked or she touched her head and realized she was hooked up to machinery and there was a massive hole in her side with stitches all over and her head was all bandaged up. Oh my god. Yeah. Um all the doctors would say was there was an accident cuz they I'd didn't be, know anything. Oh, they I'll, didn't know anything. I would be pissed too. I'd be like, what the fuck? You I'd be like, where's my parents? Where's my mom? Where's my dad? Like, where is everyone? Um and I just said that here. She said um she kept asking for her mom, dad, and Jason. In the documentary, she said it was like in my mind. She was like, oh, hold on. Okay, okay. Megan, sorry. I'm having a stroke right now. <laughs> um in the docu- documentary, she said it was like my mind knew that Brian did something. So now we go to Chief Detective Charles Mittelistet. That was it. M-I-T-T-E-L-S-T-A-E-D-T. We're just going to do Detective Charles M. Senior. He's not, well, if he's listening, he's probably not. I'm sorry for absolutely <laughs> butchering your last name, but, um, Detective Charles said this was one, he was the first one to respond to the Britain's house. He says he will never forget that morning. Um, he said it was a horrific scene walking into that house. There was blood everywhere. Um, he was walking into the house. He could see, like, to the left of the door that there was blood, hair, and bone embedded in the wall. Oh, my God. They go upstairs and look to the right um, in the parents' room was 44-year-old Dennis, Dennis Britton. Um, he was in bed, and he had been shot in the face and the, te- and the chest. When they walked out of the room across the hall, on the floor was 42-year-old Marlene Britton, deceased, with little eight-year-old Jason next to her. His head was crushed. Oh I know. I hate when little kids are involved because I still, 
my brother is nine years younger than me. And so I always picture him as little. And so, mm-hmm. like, The Shining, I hated The Shining because when my brother was little, he looked like that little kid. Oh, my I, God. He looked like my brother, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay. Sorry. No, yeah. <laughs> and it's just horrific because kids are so innocent. Yes. Like, so yes. innocent. They haven't started their mm-hmm. life yet. Because, obviously, it's terrible, like, when an older person gets murdered. But it's, like... It's a whole different level. They haven't lived anything. Like, Like, a whole different malicious... Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, then they find 18-year-old Sherry in bed covered in blood. Uh, she had been shot twice on... Well, twice on the left side of her head, and then, um, it took... The shot actually took part of her skull, and then again... On the left side of her abdomen. So, like, once in the head, once in the abdomen. Um, They didn't think she was going to survive, and they rushed her to the hospital. Uh, Brian was the only one there to question, so they took him Mm -hmm. in right away. Um, He said, somebody forced their way into the house. Charles said um, he was in the chair across from him being interviewed and had absolutely no remorse or emotion. Um, After about two minutes, Charles says... Brian, Sherry's alive. We talked to her. Where did you put those guns? And he immediately said, they're in the attic. Which was where they were found. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> um, but my thing is, how she didn't know. No. But so, like, how was that, like... It was just a throw in the dark. Oh, so he's just a fucking dumbass. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad he said that, but, like... Right, right. Yeah. So... But, I mean, they knew that Sherry was alive. They didn't know, like, while questioning him if she made it to the hospital or not. But, um, Brian was trying to justify what he did because of the issues with his parents. His mom was on his case. He couldn't see his girlfriend. Oh, poor baby. He couldn't stay out late. Um, and they made him go to school. And then I literally typed in here, normal fucking parenting. Like... Like those, My parents did the same thing. The law literally requires you to go to school or they get in trouble. What right. The fuck? Right. Fuck and I'm just like, the, yeah, these, they did not deserve, no one in any case yeah, that we're going to go you, over deserves to die. But like, they were just parenting. Mm-hmm. Like, and like I said, no, like, no signs of any type of abuse anywhere that I could. Or, He's just a psychopath. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? This is what scares me to have kids. Like, it what does, if my kid turns right? out to be a psychopath? But, I mean, um... It would be ironic if, right. you know, our kids murdered us. Stop. Know? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Little Jimmy, turn this off right now. <laughs> that's why it's like, if I ever get murdered, it'll be so fucking ironic. Yeah. Right. But, Ooh. um, so, Sherry expressed on, um, how... She has survivor's guilt and how Mm, they had missed out on so many milestones, like her wedding and having grandchildren. And Jason didn't even get to live. Like, he was eight. I'm gonna cry. I know. That's so sad. Um, She never got the why from Brian. Brian wrote her a note and she started reading it in the beginning and he was like, uh... I didn't type it down, but it was just like, I don't know if this was me, but there must have been something going through my mind if it was. And it's like... Bro, you told the detective you did it. Like, (laughs) but she never got that concrete, like, why he did it. Like, he murdered their entire family. And tried almost her. Yeah. Oh, he wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Um, She doesn't remember anything from when 
she went to bed to waking up in the hospital. So after 28 years, she went to meet Detective Charles to mm-hmm. see what had actually happened to see if it could jog her memory. Okay. Which, could you imagine yeah. having to go back 28 years later? And, like, we fucking live it. Yeah. Because, I mean, she has no memory. Yeah. So, um, this is what their, like, little encounter, what, the synopsis of what it said. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian had shot his father first, probably because his father was the only one who wouldn't have been yeah. able to stop, or who would have been able to stop yeah. him. Um, his mother came out of the kitchen screaming and shot her in the living room. Um, Brian had fired at Jason from the hallway. This killed me, which didn't kill him instantly. Jason was able to get up and go into the living room and lay down by his mom. Like, right next to his mom. Like, that... (laughs) That hurts. That poor baby. Like, 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 that's that's his fucking innocent he is. That he was like... Mom, like, I'm That's his my safe mom. person, yeah. So he just, he laid down next to his mom and that's where he died. Um, I'm glad that he was... Like, he at least her. to get that <clears throat> sort of comfort yeah. before the end. But wait, so then he, he bashed his head? Um, they mentioned that in the beginning, but during their synopsis, he, uh-huh. it said that he got, he shot him, mm-hmm. he got up and went into the living room. I'm assuming when he laid down... Um, Brian used the shotgun as, like, a club yeah. mm-hmm. and, like, hit him in the head. That's what I'm assuming because in the beginning they said yeah. it looked like his head was crushed in mm-hmm. like he used it like a club. But then going through the synopsis, he kind of brushed over it, which I'm assuming saying it to Sherry, like, yeah. he probably didn't want to go yeah. into, like, deep into what happened. So, wait, you mean until this point she just knew that he killed them? She didn't know, like, this is how they died, this is what happened. She just knew, oh, there are guns involved and stuff. She just knew Brian did something. Like, she didn't know what? 28 years. I, I feel like I would have oh, asked Oh, like, him. okay, after, I thought you meant, like, the day of. But, I mean, she knew that he killed her, but she didn't know the details. Okay, but, like, <sighs> yeah. how did she survive 28 years without asking? Like, I wouldn't tell me? But, like, when you think about it, if your brother brutally murdered your family... I don't, I don't think I I don't think I could get the courage to know what my brother did. I mean, I'm super close to my yeah. brothers and just I I can't put myself in those shoes. I don't know. See, okay, so I'm like torn because it's like, yeah, I don't want to know, but at the same time it's like I want to know what they had to go through and I like me knowing is like maybe a little bit like they didn't do it um like they weren't alone because like I know I know it's obviously not the same thing but like no but she did mention that she was glad like later on that she was glad that she went and like got that closure from knowing what they I don't know went through she like was like eating her that she didn't know the details I just think I wouldn't be strong enough to take those details in I guess I hope we never have to I Better not know. I better not know. I don't think I'd no. handle it well at all. Anyway, sorry. I have to get no, no, no. You're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, do you remember the hair and the blood and the bone yes. evidence that they found as soon as they walked in? Mm-hmm. Um, that was where Sherry was shot in the abdomen. Oh. Downstairs by the front door. Um. But she was like, she had been the... She got shot, and then she went back upstairs, went into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. They had blood evidence that she was doing something in there. 
Um, and then went back into her bed. She had no idea she left her room. She said she thinks she went, um, back to her room for comfort, like, after she got shot. Yeah. But she does, she has no recollection at all. And, um, Detective Charles said he strongly believes that the whole thing was premeditated. Oh. So here's the bullshit. (laughs) Okay. In 1990, Brian was sentenced 25 years to life for murdering three people and attempting to kill one. Uh-huh. So, every two years, no. Brian has parole. Like, a parole hearing. The this fuck? motherfucker, after 25 years, is up for parole. Oh, I thought you meant, like, from the no, day no, 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 every no, no, two no. years. No, 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 After, like, um... After serving his first 25 years. Only 25 years for murdering his mother, his father, his 8-year-old brother, and attempting, almost, like, completing his sister's. It was an accident that she didn't die. Like, Like, no, it was a miracle she didn't die. Like, just, like, seeing the pictures on the documentary, the amount of blood that was in that bed, it's just... When is he up? Um, I don't have that... I want to say it was 2017. Someone can check my math on that. 25 years from 1989. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, well, I could just use ladies. <laughs> yeah, and then there's me that does m- numbers all day. As soon as I clock out of work, numbers go out my mm-hmm. mind. Like, two plus two is five. But, um, so every two years, he has a parole hearing. So Sherry has to relive that night oh every God. time his hearing comes up. Um, she writes a, she writes a letter pleading them to keep him incarcerated. He doesn't deserve his freedom and he has never once shown remorse, which is like the whole point of like the parole hearings to show that you know what you did wrong, like that whole thing. Even in his like letter to her, he was like, oh, I mean, something just came over me. Like, yeah, he was like, if I did do it, there must've been something wrong with me. Heavy eye roll. Right, right, like, it's, <laughs> it's pulling my eye, my eye muscles, rolling my eyes so hard. But, um, in the transcript from his hearings, he says that he feels regret, that he regrets ep- everything his sister, everything his sister, wait, that he regrets everything his sister said, he's only telling, oh, He regrets everything. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Comma. (laughs) His sister said he's only telling them what they want to hear. Um, She said that he had stated in the past that if he were to get out, he would finish the job of what he had started. Yeah, that'd be fucking terrifying. Right? So, um, it's just messed up. Sherry, and this is towards the end Mm -hmm. of the documentary... Sherry had received a message from Facebook that there is a friend of Brian's <gasps> contacting the board no. that he has a place he will provide Brian no. to live as well as help him get on his feet. No. That Brian has his full support and that he will continue to fight for his release. He's a good friend of his and they talk often. He had his reasons back then, which, no, he fucking didn't. It was fucking parenting. Yeah. Like, he didn't have any fucking reason to murder his entire, basically his entire family. Um, he is older now, and he deserves a second chance. No, he doesn't. No. <laughs> like, like, how old was he again? 
16. He was 16 yeah. when he murdered his entire family. Was he... Do you know? I don't want to ask you this question. Was he charged as an adult? No. Really? I don't think so. I want to say no. I don't know. I shouldn't have... That was... That's I, I, was like, I totally I lied. I totally lied. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would assume... I mean, 25 years to life. I feel like if he was an adult, he should have gotten death. I feel like anyone who murders their entire family deserves death. That's why I'm like, it's like a super severe thing that like, maybe they did charge him as an adult. But like, 25 years. And the possibility of parole! Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. Right? That's, I was watching this and I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Um, but... This guy promised Brian he would make his wishes a reality. He goes on to tell Sherry that Brian loves her and he misses her and he can't wait to eventually get out and see his nieces and nephews. Oh my god. And then he said, shame on you for being such a heartless person. To Sherry. Who the fuck are you to speak? Like, I literally have no words. That silence was me. My, my, I had had to pick my job off the fucking floor. The Just audacity fucking is people, what men man. have. The fucking people. Um, Sherry said she never wants Brian to meet her kids Seriously. because she's afraid um, Brian would do something to her children. Yeah. I mean, he stated yeah. previously that he would finish yeah. the job. Like, And they and he killed her eight-year-old brother. Why wouldn't he right, kill them? Right, right. Um... And she's not just worried for her family, but anyone who would say or do anything yeah. that makes him snap. Um, she said the board is looking into options for Brian's, um, for Brian once he's released, um, after serving the 25-year sentence. The, like, that's the, when they... The tense that you just said that in, when he's released? That's what it said in the documentary. That's why I no, typed I it, when. Um... This episode was released on January 29th, 2007. Um, and then I lo- I kind of looked into uh-huh. um, if he was still in yeah. or if he was out now. And from an article on, how did you say it? Poughkeepsie? Poughkeepsie. Co- po- Poughkeepsie. Mm-hmm. Um, an article from Poughkeepsie Journal published on November 29th, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that now... 47-year-old Brian was denied parole, and he will be eligible again in November of this year. Well, I'm so glad that he's fucking been denied every fucking time. Right? And, like, the biggest way to keep him there is, if like, for people to voice their concerns. So, I mean, if anyone listening to this, if you're moved enough to, um... Reach out to them. I wish I got a number. I didn't. You can you can look it up. <laughs> oh but God. yeah, that is the Brian Britton case. Wow, that's terrible. Isn't that insane? And I feel like it's like, yeah, strangers are like a scary thing, but like when it's your the family. threat is in your family. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah. I totally agree with her. I wish that fucker would have died when I was all the boys. What the fuck? Yeah, for real. And I just, like, it's just, I don't, like, there was no reason. I, it must have been something, they didn't cover if anything happened when he was born, like, any head trauma, like, the umbilical cord was wrapped around and he lost oxygen for so long. Um, Because these, like, signs happened before the alcohol incident. I wonder if 
she's ever like, well, I mean, I guess she probably would have talked about it then. What happened, like, that night? Like, if anything was like, oh, we had this really bad flight, or if it was just like, oh, today's the day. Right. Was- and that's why uh, the detective said that it was premeditated. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine what Sherry went through, is going through to mm-hmm. this day, having to live without her family. I probably would have just wished I would have died. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's... Like, yeah. I, mean, I would rather die yeah. than have to live through uh-huh. that. And, like, it's just yeah. so incredibly sad, but... Like, if it was me or my brother, I would be like, nope, me. You can, you can live. I would not want to live. Oh, my God, I would literally die. Oh, my God. If there die. was an intruder in my family's house and we were all there, I'd be like, just kill me. Yep. Like, just kill me. <laughs> oh, my God. I literally... Oh, my God, I can't. That's, like, my worst fear. Like, because right? my brother's in, like, high school, right? Not to get into the whole school shootings, but, like... It's fucking terrifying. And right. I'm like, oh my god, my little baby, my man. Right, yeah. And just school shootings are so scary. Yeah. Oh my god. Just crazy wacko people out there. Mm-hmm. But also, it's so funny that we both did massacres, basically. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I mean, you were reading yours and you were just like, it. I was sitting there, I was like, you're gonna love mine. <laughs> There's. But so was, close, like, but so different. Yeah. I thought, like, obviously, most of the time when they're like, oh, it's this case, that means that person died. But that's, like, the person that fucking did all the bullshit. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah. And it was it was so cool hearing um, his sister yeah. tell everything. Mm-hmm. And just, like, hearing how strong she is. It's, like, inspiring. Yeah. Because you, you could never place right? yourself in her yeah. shoes. That's why, like, I survived. I just fucking love them. Because it's, like, this motherfucker survived right this terrible fucking thing oh god yeah so well on that note we should i like how my favorite murder ends with like an upper okay like what was your favorite thing about this week we're gonna kind of copy them in that so we have like a lighter ending what happened what did i do this week i mean there's a (laughs) blizzard going on oh yeah low-key hopefully no one who i work with is listening but uh Hope it snows real hard so <laughs> I get to work remotely <laughs> tomorrow. But it's supposed to, so. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, don't jinx it, Jaden. I really lucked but, out working remote. Yeah, Because I work remote regardless. Um, Mine is, I was summoned for jury duty. <gasps> oh, yeah! <laughs> Most people, my mom was like, <laughs> I, I went to visit them because they're painting, like, the laundry room area. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, my mom goes, oh, you got something from the courthouse. Uh-huh. She's like, I think you got some. And I went, <gasps> she goes, oh, yeah, you're all into that shit. And I was like, oh, my God. And then my mom goes, watch, it'll be a parking ticket. And I was like, just don't rain on my parade. I just <laughs> wish that I would be chosen. But I just know they'd be like, oh, you're a lawyer. Sorry. Sorry, we don't want you. Don't right. Want you. But I mean, I guess. I want I'm... it for a cool case, but I don't yes. want it to mentally fuck me up. Right. <laughs> because now it's like you're in it. Yeah. So we'll see. <sighs> We'll see if anything comes of it, yeah. but odds are probably nothing will. We're and rooting for you. Yeah, you guys rooting won't hear. You. you guys won't hear anything of it until far after yeah. the case is closed. If I am even chosen. Yeah. So. Oh, fingers crossed. Yes. So. <laughs> well, oh my gosh, yeah. this is insane. I know. This is like our first legit episode because we know what we're we called. We have a title. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, well, I think that wraps everything up yeah. today. We um, want to get Megan out before uh, the snow really hits. I'm literally, like, stranded. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so thanks for tuning in to A Little Thing Called Murder. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys trust your gut. Yes. <laughs>
And have a great night. Yes. <laughs> what did you say last time? Like, stay beautiful or something like that? Something like that. <laughs> stay beautiful yes. and trust your gut. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, like us, share it, let everyone know. I don't know how this works yet, but I yeah, think you're don't. supposed to rate us on, like, iTunes oh, yeah. and, like, leave a comment of something nice. Oh, yeah, please be nice. Um, we do appreciate <laughs> constructive criticism, yes. but... Be nice. Yeah. <laughs> or if you have, like, some connection to these cases or something, or, like, a friend that does, fucking hit us or up. Or even any stories that you would want to hear us, like, kind of reread verbally yeah. back to everyone else who listens, <laughs> our two <laughs> listeners, um, we would love to because we're just yeah. so into, like, those mm-hmm. cases. It's just so fascinating. Our little demented fascination. <laughs> but, all right. Thanks so much, guys. And we'll... See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Finger guns. Finger guns. <laughs> <laughs>